0: welcome to the ride like a mother podcast today you have your hosts as always uh shelby and myself carolyn and we are here with dr jillian dobson today to talk about reproduction so hi jillian hey do you go by jill or jillian
1: either it doesn't matter normally
0: jill or doc oh or dr dobson i don't know like (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) Uh, I just assumed but we can go formal yeah sorry okay so Dr. Dobson comes from us from Elm Creek Saskatchewan and she has Elm Creek equine veterinary services Um, and she focuses on reproduction and dentistry which we're going to hear lots more about on today's uh, episode She's also a mom of a toddler and we're going into breeding season. So I know that's going to be a bit of a juggle for you probably. And uh, we're interested to hear more about how you manage that as well. And you've got a a growing clinic there. But uh, as I was reading your info about yourself, I noticed that you galloped racehorses and that is something that's always been on my bucket list. So uh, it's kind of like, I just want to know uh, like a little bit more about that and then how your journey from that to getting into veterinary and reproduction. So if you want to start there, that'd be awesome.
1: Sure. I'll just, uh, one tiny little correction. Elm Creek is actually Manitoba. It's a small enough town that no one knows where it is, but it is uh, (laughs) in uh, Manitoba. We're about 45 minutes west of Winnipeg. So yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. but anyway, carrying on. So um,
0: how did i manage that i actually even looked it up is there like another elm creek or something or am i no i'm just crazy it's okay, it's <laughs> oh, okay. There's, there's <laughs> let's keep talking
1: <laughs> we've had people in texas try to book appointments with us and wonder uh where our clinic is and we give them directions and they're like what and uh they're in texas so there's uh there's a few but this <laughs>
0: the- well, um, makes me feel a little bit better <laughs> yeah
1: well, let's, uh, do we want to start at the beginning? I'll talk about kind of uh, my growing up with horses and then getting into vet med and going from there. Um, sure, yeah. So that we can talk talk about the racetrack to start with. That's where I kind of got got involved the most. Um, I um, started university. My dad, well, back right up. I really wanted to be a dolphin trainer uh, as a child. Yeah. When I grew up in Saskatchewan, and I, there are career opportunities for dolphin trainers in Saskatchewan is, like low not a lot there <laughs> my dad knew I loved to ride and he pushed me towards that med so I went to University of Saskatchewan ready to uh try to get into vet school and while I was there I met a racehorse guy and started galloping for him and I learned by the school of hard knocks getting on those horses that's for sure I <laughs> fell off more just as many times as I got on it seems like and got run off with and learned the hard way but I I got better at it and got to really enjoy it and um Actually got into vet school, and between years of vet school, I actually went to Alberta. I went to Lethbridge and to Northlands Park in Edmonton, and galloped, galloped at the track in the morning, starting at about five thirty, and then afterwards, I worked for the uh, racetrack vets um, from like later morning into mid afternoon. Um, and I really started my career with sports medicine as a strong background. So I was, um, I did not breed any mares in pre-vet in vet med or like in my veterinary uh, studies I was not into repro I took a two-week uh rotation in it I hated it my serial <laughs> professor didn't like me she I was not good at it and I started vet med in Manitoba in 2013 10 years ago um with essentially no interest in doing repro and um I was pretty bad at it to start so yeah that's uh that was kind of how things <laughs> came um I did love galloping though. And I thought that was a really cool opportunity. I, if anyone is ever interested in a career with horses, they have the Olds college in Alberta and I couldn't recommend that more for, um, getting a professional kind of, um, start in the horse industry. I really think it's a great program. And I, I learned a ton at the Alberta racetracks. I loved it out there.
0: That is so cool. Uh, So yeah,
1: that's kind of how I started, how I started practicing. Um, should we talk about repro kind of getting into that and growing that a little bit or or do you guys have questions or
0: yeah I mean like I'm kind of curious if you didn't like repro at the beginning what <laughs> sparked your interest in yeah
1: oh, that's a good <laughs> question I don't know I just kind of fell into it I guess but um so when I started I like I said I wasn't great at it I liked to do joint injections I liked to do lameness exams I thought I was reasonably good at most basic surgeries and and uh, lameness with my thing um and when i started i was asked to breed a few mares and I, I wasn't confident and i didn't really have much help for that kind of stuff um so my first couple of years were like child by fire i had a lot of clients that brought mares or that we worked on their mares and um i don't know how many of them caught i'm guessing not terribly many um but as i got to be more comfortable with it and it took a little bit um um, you know, got more comfortable with the ultrasounding and with the hormone protocols um, and with managing mm-hmm. mares, I, I got to enjoy it a bit more. And probably the biggest thing when I was a young vet that really changed it for me was um, changing our setup so that the mares came to my um, to my farm and boarded out there. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get a better handle on those mare cycles by checking them every day, by having the opportunity mm-hmm. to tease them. And b- prior to that, we were driving out to farms and I was, uh, you try to save clients some money by driving out every three or four days and in a mare cycle a lot can change. Um, sometimes you're not sure if the mare has come through heat and already cycled and the owner didn't notice or if the mare didn't respond to the shot and it's still kind of hanging out in diestrus. Um, mm-hmm. there was some mares when I was first starting that were kind of stuck in transition forever. And I didn't have the confidence to say, this mayor's is not ready. Like, let's come back to it. So, um, experience is one thing that makes a job a lot more enjoyable. And also, um, that opportunity to like, when I started, I, we offered a package, so it didn't matter how many times I scanned the mares, I could scan the mares 10 times a day if I wanted to, it made no difference to the owner's bill. Um, and it gave me a lot of really good opportunity to develop those reproductive skills and to develop that, um, that experience that helps you make good choices in the future. Um mm-hmm. and probably the icing on the cake for breeding mares is when you actually breed a mare and they catch and then the next year yeah. you get to be a like it is it is a <laughs> it's it's really fun to see clients that are um full of anticipation and are really looking forward to spending their money um with you and getting a full rather than the clients that mm-hmm. are disappointed and they come to you with a horse that's lame that isn't performing well and that you give them bad news oh. that we're going to be into a 6 month, 12 month, 18 month or like retirement kind of situation um where they're going to be away from performing. So it is it's always um I mean, we certainly can give bad news that, uh, you know, a mare didn't catch or, you know, the embryo was lost or something like that. But most of the time with repro, it it ends up with a um, happy ending at the end, most of the time.
0: yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And that's a like a good perspective on it.
1: Yeah, so it, it's enjoyable. And I also I mean, the more mares we do, the more... Um, I get to work from home. So as horse vets in Manitoba, we generally cover a lot of ground. Right now I'm Mm -hmm. about an hour and a half away from my clinic. I was doing a lameness down here, but I um, normally during the peak of breeding season, I don't leave my house. So that's kind of nice. We can just have mares come to us and get a lot done during the day. Um, And we do kind of mare work, stallions, foaling, et cetera, all out of my my place.
2: That's very cool. Yeah, I never thought of it really like that (laughs) in that retrospect. Um, But it's getting to be springtime, or at least I hope so. There's still <laughs> so much snow here. But anyways, breeding season is just around the corner. Let's talk options. So starting from, from square one, what's out there for techniques for breeding our mares?
1: Sure. Okay. So there's a few different ways of going about it. Um, And I guess we'll break it up into two main sections. So you can have your mare carry a pregnancy, or you can keep your mare in performance and do like an embryo transfer option Um, and have your mare not carry the pregnancy. So assuming most people are wanting their mare to carry a pregnancy, um, we just talk about general breeding options at that point in time. So right from the very basics, there's your, like, all natural, live cover, Mm -hmm. pasture breeding or hand breeding. And that's generally something I don't get too involved with. Um, I have some clients that like to have me um, help set mares up so we know that they're going to the stallion um, at the right, Uh, time to be bred or if we have some maidens that aren't showing good heat sometimes i'll get involved with ultrasounding and using some hormones to help them uh, know when a good time to breed them is especially if they're not standing well for the stud or giving the stud good signs Um, but that's the most basic going up from there and more where i would generally get involved would be what we call artificial insemination Um, and that's what most guys when they're contacting me are are looking for information on Um, generally speaking when we're doing ai we're using either shipped cooled semen so that's when the semen has been collected and refrigerated uh, or brought down to like a, a refrigerated temperature and it ships in a like a 50 mil syringe, generally we get one or two breeding doses, um, but the timing of collection and having it um, sent to us is all still really important. Um, and in Canada, uh, we do use fresh uh, cooled semen from the United States and also from Canada, um, but it's not as easy to get semen up from the States as it is to send semen from Canada down to the U.S., So when people are looking at uh, maybe getting semen up from the U.S. for insemination, sorry, artificial insemination, um, it's important to get into that early because there are some import permits and some CFIA and USDA um, hoops to jump through to make sure that that semen can be released through the border and available to us on time. Um, Generally speaking, with fresh, cooled semen, it's not that different than... um, then with live cover, we want the timing to be good within about a day or so. Um, generally speaking, if we inseminate them within about 24 hours prior to them ovulating, the success rate is generally quite good. um Now, there's a whole another can of worms, and that's frozen semen. And it's really important if people are booking their breeding contracts to know what they're buying and to know what they're getting, um, because the costs. Are different, the shipping information is different, um, the shipping timeline is different, and the, co- uh, sorry, yeah, I'll say it again, the costs are definitely different. <laughs> the, mare, um, the mares need to be managed a bit more intensively to have good success with frozen semen. And not all mares will breed as well with frozen semen as they will with um, fresh-cooled or with live cover. It depends a little bit on the mare. Um, also not every stallion actually produces good quality frozen semen. So when we're talking about frozen semen, I like to tell clients to check with the stallion owner that the batch of frozen semen that they're selling has actually gotten a mare in full. Um, That's always good to know. If they've sold 10 doses and they don't have a single mare that's had a pregnancy or they've sold 10 doses and they got one out of 10 mares pregnant, like maybe we should try for fresh cooled or look at a different stallion. Mm -hmm. Um, If they freeze the stallion regularly and they generally get between 50 and 70% of mares pregnant, then that's definitely 100% reasonable um, for frozen semen and and, um, that would be something to kind of, uh, you know, be expecting is that approximately 50% success rate, um, give or take, and then depending on the mare. Um, But it is important to know that the frozen semen has a lower success rate. Um, It also has a much smaller window. So when I'm using frozen semen, I actually try to breed the mare after ovulation. It doesn't live in the um, mare as well as it um, fresh cooled semen so it doesn't actually survive that long Um, Mm. and i'll scan i set the mares up with a pretty strict hormone protocol and i'll scan them every two to three hours during what we call like the breeding window and as soon as ovulation is detected um, my technique is to use a deep porn insemination and inseminate the mare with one dose of of semen right beside the oviduct and as close to ovulation Mm. as possible um, generally within four hours so it's a different AI technique. It's a little bit more difficult um, just because instead of putting the semen just through the surface, we actually have to thread it up the horn and um, and the uh, number of ultrasounds is more. So the, the vet costs go up. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with frozen semen is that we can't just ship it on an ice pack. It has to be shipped in uh, what we call a vapor shipper. So it's a specialized tank um, and it. Ours weighs about 40 pounds when it's, uh, charged. Um, and it's comes up like it's past my knees high and it's like, I don't know, 18 inches wide or so. So to ship something like that, uh, efficiently, it's fairly expensive. We're talking like at least several hundred dollars to courier at ground. And if we're courier at air, it can be 600 or $700 to ship it. Um, so just the logistics of transporting frozen semen can also add some costs when you're looking at your breeding options and your breeding, um, a budget mm-hmm. um the benefit about it though is that we can use stallions that are in europe like we can bring it across mm-hmm. uh, the ocean we can use stallions that are dead um and we can actually get it in <laughs> now and not have to worry about it um in like june or july and um for mm-hmm. mares that are being booked especially the stallions that are performing that are showing or that are deceased or that aren't really really consistent on the phantom we don't need to worry about setting up the mare and then making that call for semen and finding out that they can't ship semen to us because the horse doesn't feel like it or because he's at a horse show or <laughs> whatever the reason um so that benefit of having the semen you know at the clinic ready to go when you really smooth and that was actually during the pandemic and FedEx and like later and everyone kind of went crazy with all the shipping that was happening. Um, it was really, really difficult for us to know if our shipments were going to make it on time. And uh, we are definitely at the mercy of FedEx when it comes to uh, making the breeding work happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Timing
1: is everything. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, um, That's kind of live cover, fresh and frozen semen insemination. Um, Going down the other options, so embryo transfer and ICSI are two things that people are talking about more and more. Um, Mm -hmm. So embryo transfer, just basically with the type of, um, they're not going to carry the pregnancy. But the mare still needs to be bred. So you have a donor mare. So you have your, your performance mare that you want to get a full off of, but you want to keep competing with her. You would still need to bring that mare and we would still inseminate the mare one way or another. So live cover, fresh or frozen, however you decide to actually get the mare pregnant. Um, but it is very, very important that we know the breeding dates and the ovulation date um, because we time the embryo flush uh process off of the ovulation date so if the mare came through heat and you were wanting to use a stallion that's only available by live cover um that's fine but the mare needs to be ultrasounded every day to know when exactly she ovulated so we know when exactly to flush her most of the time when we're doing embryo transfer we use insemination of one way or another most guys are shipping semen from oftentimes from the us or from alberta or from you know something that's perceived as fancier even though i would argue we have some really nice stallions in manitoba so um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is uh, um, oftentimes what we do. Um, so then the mare, the donor mare, so the performance mare is, or maybe an older mare or maybe a mare that's had an injury that you don't want to have carry. Like she doesn't have to be competing. But for whatever reason, the mare that mm-hmm. is not carrying a pregnancy is um, is ai and this is where things get a little tricky. So we can't tell if she's pregnant. We can't tell if it worked before we do the embryo transfer. So when we flush her, um, it's actually on day seven or day eight, depending on the breeding. And we can't actually see that embryo until day 11. It's still microscopic. So when we do the flush, um, we, don't, we don't see it on the ultrasound before we flush her. And we can't see it come out into the filter until we are done and we put it under the microscope. And then when we look under the microscope, we are crossing our fingers and toes and everything else for an embryo. And the embryo was taken from that filter. We rinse it off, um, and then we'll actually put it through a series of washes just to wash any bacteria or any debris or anything that came with it um, with the flush um, process. And then we'll put it into a little bit of a hole and basically put it into a draw that's very similar to what the uh, straw for frozen semen would look like. I um, normally use ones that are a little bit smaller, but they're very similar. And then from there, we would take it and put it into a recipient mare whose cycle has been synchronized. So it's very, very important that the cycle of the recipients is uh, manipulated to be right, um, mm-hmm. not exactly in tune, but we want it to be about one or two days later than the donor mare, so that that embryo, that um, recipient's uterus is just like perfect and looking for an embryo. And um, generally, their their uterus is about Five days post ovulation on the recipient side of things um so they're like actively looking for an embryo that would have been coming down from their oviduct if they were bred but this case it's actually coming through a a transfer gun um and then after that so that uh embryo is transferred on day seven or eight then generally at about day 12 to 14 we'll start scanning the recipient mare and looking to see if there's an embryo um present and we can see it by ultrasound at that point in time um we'll normally manage the recipient mayor on some antibiotics and some um to help support the pregnancy and then if everything goes good uh we'll keep them on regimate for about 45 days or so and then wean them down um it depends on some follow-up level and whatnot but and then if the mayor has recognized that she's in full um and her ovaries are doing what they're supposed to do we can take them off regimate and they can just have a baby like normal and they'll raise it like their own um Sometimes if their progesterone levels aren't quite right, then we'll keep them on um, like Altria just shots, like long-acting regimate, or we can give them oral regimate longer. Um, but generally speaking, if we get a pregnancy to about day twenty-five or so, normally we can keep it in there as long. I mean, not always, but after that, it's a little bit more. Um, I'm a little bit more comfortable with it at that point in time. Wow. Um, And then <laughs> yeah, so I'm on a tangent here. We'll we'll talk about ICSI quickly as well. ICSI is one that I get questions about mm-hmm. at least once a week. Um, and I'll be honest with you guys, I don't offer it. I don't have anything to do with it. It's outside of our scope right now. Um, in a perfect world, one day I'll learn how to do it. But right now we send our cases to either Saskatchewan or Alberta. Um, mm-hmm. So ICSI is for people that are interested in more of the IVF side of things. Um, and it's definitely most common in a mare that has a really, really foul uterus so if you have a mare that has like a pyometra or is really dirty and we'll talk about that a little bit more later but we just can't get her pregnant and the uterine environment is not adequate to support a pregnancy or if the stallion the semen that you're using is very very rare sometimes you'll see it available by icky doses only and that's because we only actually need one sperm per pregnancy so we can really really cut down on the number of sperm whereas in a fresh cooled situation our we generally require 1 billion sperm for pregnancy. And in a frozen semen world, we're looking at about 400 million. And for ICSI, we really only need one. We try to pick a good one, but uh, but we do need <laughs> one. So um, ICSI is basically where we um, we take the mare and they would actually do a procedure. I, I don't do it. I'll clarify it again. And this is my best understanding of it. But we would aspirate the um, ovaries so the ovaries will have large follicles on them. And within the follicle, which are like these fluid, circles on the ovary there'll be an egg inside each of those Um, and some mares will have two or three active follicles some mares will have a few more but basically the procedure is to do a a transvaginal ultrasound and then the ultrasound has a holder on it that has a needle on it and you actually puncture through the vagina and through the um, ovary with that needle and you puncture right into the follicle and then you wash the follicle out and you actually aspirate the uh, eggs from the inside of the ovary And depending on the mare and where she's at in her cycle, you might get a couple, you might get a few more, but um, these eggs are then processed and they're actually fertilized by injecting a sperm into the egg under a microscope. And then they're cultured. Um, They're cultured in a really, really, really temperature-controlled lab that I can pretty much promise you guys I'll never be able to build. But there is one in Lethbridge that uh, is available right now. Um, They're cultured in there. And after, I believe it's day... um, maybe day five or six they are either frozen uh for use later or else they are sent back and they're implanted into a recipient mare so that is how ICSI works um ICSI is fairly expensive um but for a mare that really cannot have like if a mare really is chronically dirty or has like a pyometra or something wrong with her uterus or in the cases of a mare that's tragically and suddenly passes away you can actually send the ovaries to the ICSI lab to have the ovaries processed um without having the mayor being alive. And that's something that you kind of have to be on the ball and ready to send semen and send the ovaries and get it all done. Um, but it is, um, they are offering that um, ovary um, aspiration in Lethbridge right now, which is really cool. Um, previously to that, we were sending everything to the States um and then in terms of the aspiration i have some colleagues in alberta that are doing them in the edmonton area or else um dr claire card in saskatoon also offers it as well so there's a few options in western canada for the for the ultrasound aspiration as far as i know there's nobody in manitoba that's offering it right now but there are some like good equine uh, repro practices in manitoba and i don't know if dr mcburney mm-hmm. or uh, dr peak sorry at mcburney or anyone at elders is thinking about starting it i i don't
0: know but
2: Yeah. That's quite the
0: process. That's that's, uh, That's way more complicated than I actually thought it was. I guess I've never really looked into what it actually takes. You know, you hear Uh, AI and you hear, um, yeah, embryo transfer. And wow, (laughs) is all I can say. I'm surprised you can actually do that. Like, that's incredible. It is. It
1: is cool. What do you think about it? And you think about kind of what, uh, like, you follow a little bit on the human uh, fertility side of things and you're like i can do that i can do that and uh mm-hmm. and it is kind of neat um so it, it's fun to be able to take genetics that aren't easily available like you know driving a mare down to texas would be such a commitment to try and get um uh, mm-hmm. a fool from some of those big stallions that are standing down in texas or in, you know colorado or california or places like that and to be able to call fedex and get a box of steam in the next day and get the mare and then have a different mare Like it, it is cool
0: yeah, very totally. Cool, but- <laughs> Risky, but also very <laughs> oh, cool. <goodness. laughs> so, there's, you were talking there's about having fun football, doing so- this. What is actually your favorite part of it? What do you like what do you like about breeding season?
1: <laughs> I like checking mares in foal. I there's never ever a single time that I see a mare that's pregnant on ultrasound for the first time, I do a happy dance every time. Every time. <laughs> 30 mares pregnant that day, yeah, it's like uh, and uh, everyone when that noise happens behind a mare, the mare is definitely going to have a baby. So, yeah, um, that is like, I mean, that's icing on the cake. And certainly mm-hmm. even if it's at that 11, 12 day check or whatever, it's not always a guarantee of a baby at the other side of it. But it's kind of that first step done. And you know that things worked and that's and that's what you're, we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun to be able to send that picture of the ultrasound to the owner, especially because they're often not there. And uh, tell them that we're having a baby. So yeah, the good. <laughs> good news is definitely, definitely a highlight.
2: Oh, and all um, those hours I, that you put I, into it are so rewarding. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when the kind of actually comes through. The other thing that I love as well is that it's so cut and dry. The mayor caught, or she didn't catch. It's this or mm-hmm. that. I find sometimes on the lameness side of things, like you look at a horse, you do something, and you're like, "Yeah, the horse is like." better and I don't know if it just needs a bit more time or if it's like Mm -hmm. needs something else or if I should be doing Cairo now or if I should do acupuncture or if I need a different tack or like it definitely helped but it wasn't quite whereas Repro is like she is pregnant or she is not pregnant (laughs) Um, so there's not really that uh, any of that gray area which I know some people really enjoy that kind of sliding scale of uh, improving Mm -hmm. the performance course and I mean I like it I used to really really like it but I I love the cut and dry that Yes, here is a foal. It's concrete. It's here. It's done. And uh, or no, this is not a foal. We got to go back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah, Until I seriously is. wish that we could do that with lameness too. Yeah. Okay, you're not <laughs> yeah. lame. Uh, now you're lame.
1: <laughs> that would be lovely. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I feel like if you're not lame or lame, then suddenly every horse is lame, except if they're crazy, <laughs> <laughs> then they're.
0: <laughs> You've got so a good point true. there.
2: So true. <laughs> Hi this is Shelby
0: and Carolyn.
2: We are two Canadian prairie ladies raising babies riding horses and living the country life.
0: We are on a journey to find health and wealth while building our ranches and we want to share the journey with you.
2: In this podcast you can expect to hear us share our own experiences as well as interview other inspiring humans. We'll cover topics such as human health, horse health, barrel racing, building a ranch, and so much more.
0: We are ready to dig into the tough conversations like mental health, motherhood, farming challenges, finances, you name it. You will walk away from this podcast with tips, tricks, and strategies that will have you finding more joy and peace in your journey.
2: We know there's a lot of juggling that goes into this lifestyle because we are living it. And as a nurse myself and Carolyn with a master's in animal science, we have a lot to bring to the conversation.
0: So grab your coffee to go, throw on your messy bun and muck boots, let's head to the barn and chat cause we have business to take care of and we're sure you do too.
2: Welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast.
0: Hey, it's Carolyn here, your Ride Like a Mother host, and website and graphic designer. I am passionate about helping ranchy rural business owners expand their online marketing and grow their businesses. Something that really bothers me is seeing really fantastic small businesses leave money on the table because they're not utilizing all the amazing marketing marketing tools available to them or business owners playing small because they don't believe their business is worthy of investing in or they aren't confident in their strategy. What a shame, right? I know that you are capable business bosses with amazing products to share, and I wanna step into the business arena with you and work on your online marketing strategy. To help you get started, I created a Website Starter Kit. This PDF lists and explains the most important aspects to collect as you start a website project. These are things that you can collect before you choose your check, and before you even talk to your web designer. This document will help you whether you decide to DIY your website or if you're hiring somebody to build the whole thing for you. I walk you through the first 12 items I ask all my clients to collect and prepare. So if this is something that you think will be helpful to you, you can access this PDF at carolynkaylor.ca slash website starter kit. The link is also in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for tuning in and cheers to all you amazing rural business owners. So do you
2: have any tips for mare owners as they prepare their mares for breeding, like what they can do, um, ways to help improve reproduction, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah.
1: So there's two main things. I cannot emphasize nutrition hard enough, Um, Mm -hmm. making babies Mm -hmm. and, uh, and if they're pregnant and about to fall and need to be bred again that's it actually requires like good nutrition so if you have a mare that's just a brood mare and you just feed her hay and straw and she doesn't get any mineral or any kind of um support because she's in a quotation just a brood mare i would encourage everyone to kind of rethink that but if you think about pregnant mm-hmm. women like we're taking all kinds of vitamins and supplements and everything else so i would i would really push for good nutrition in the brood mare and in the um breeding stallion um I um, I know that Dr. Riddell just talked about nutrition, actually, and I just listened to her podcast on my way down to this call just to see what had been talked about because I knew I wanted to touch on it as well. Um, so just to add to what she spoke about a little bit, um, making sure that your... Um, just like balancing the diet as best you can. So, I mean, forage is 100% the basis of their diet. You don't need to be pumping these mares full of like, oats and sweet feet or anything like that either. Um, mm-hmm. But hay, especially people noticed last year, not all our hays are equal. And this year it seemed like the alfalfa got really quite coarse and a little bit lower. And- Feed quality than what people are mm-hmm. expecting. Um, so you have horses that are eating a fair bit of alfalfa and they're still looking kind of thin. Um, like I would really encourage people to be testing their forage and making sure that the hay or the forage that you're feeding is is has some nutrition uh, nutritional value to it. And then I'm all for adding a easy supplement. You know, like making sure that your protein and your energy levels is adequate in your hay, and then adding something like a ration balancer. Um, i don't want to throw out a bunch of brands but i mean there's a bunch out there there's like step seven supplement there's um the grow and win there's um ek from tribute um there's a master feeds uh 30 i think is that one there's a bunch of different ones um but basically anything that's looking to balance the vitamins and minerals in the diet um hoffman's does a few um but just putting your mare onto something would be a really good place to start and then same for stallion owners um what we recommend, like our go to recommendation, one that we're able to source and able to give people in a fairly um, concise container is the Platinum Wellness formulation. So mm-hmm. we recommend that all of our mares and stallions and anything that's being used for breeding goes onto Platinum Wellness about a couple months before we breed or try to breed them. Okay. Um, and then the other big thing to know and to look at early in the season is whether or not your mare is um, sound for breeding. So if you have a maiden, even if it's a maiden that's never been covered, or if you have a mare that's um, been covered in the past, but has not bred, or, or that's aborted for any reason, we recommend doing a breeding soundness exam. Um, a lot of guys tell me that they got the vet out to do an ultrasound and the ultrasound was normal and they want their mare to be, co- uh, to be bred. And that is a great place to start, but it doesn't give us a full picture. Um, so the other areas of the breeding soundness exam that I feel are really important is um, the culture. So an, um, a uterine culture and a uterine cytology. They go together. Um, So, bacteria in the uterus is actually really quite common. It's one of the most common reasons that mares don't catch, Um, and it can be from a lot of different things. In my experience, the most common two reasons are either poor conformation. So, if you have a mare that you're thinking about breeding, look under her tail. If the edges of her vulva line up perfectly and it's a straight up and down line, that's a good thing. If it's like a horizontal line, that's kind of going up to her rectum, but her rectum is a lot further in than her vulva. And when she poops, it's kind of hitting her vulva on the way down. That's less of a good thing. And that uh, Mara would probably need a Caslix, mm-hmm. um, which is a little surgery to help kind of improve the seal of their vulva um, to maintain a pregnancy. And also sometimes we get this uh, confirmation fault back there where their edges of their vulva don't line up properly and one goes on top of the other, and they don't tend to make a good seal. And when that's the case, you oftentimes struggle with bacteria that's um, what's called an ascending infection. So bacteria started at their their kind of uh, vulva area and is tracked right up into the cervix and has taken hold in the uterus. When we Uh, ultrasound the mares, we generally don't see anything wrong with them. Most of the time, there's no fluid. Most of the time, there's no swelling. Most of the time, it just looks like a normal uterus. Sometimes we see these mares cycle more often. So if it's a mare that's some people are like, oh, my mare really wants to be bred. She cycles every week. You could breed her, but she probably has something wrong with her. And that's why she's cycling on such a uh, weird schedule. So for those mares, especially, I recommend doing that culture. And then at the same time as taking the culture swab, we like to put either a little bit of fluid into the uterus and give it a rinse and then take that fluid back out and then spin it down and look at any cells. So we want to look at the cells that are on the um, innermost layer of the uterus. So that's called the endometrium. And it should be these really nice, um, normal looking um, epithelial cells. So underneath the microscope, they're just, um, they come in uh, clumps and they are kind of a purple color and they look really uniform and kind of come in, in generally if, like quite a few at a time. But what we're looking for in there is actually white blood cells um, or any signs of inflammation within the uterus. So mm-hmm. we don't wanna be seeing a lot of white blood cells or evidence of infection or, or inflammation. And if that's the case, then we know that this mirror is gonna take a bit of work to get her ready to be bred. Um, So it's not uncommon for us to culture, say, uh, streptococcus and get, you know, two to three white blood cells per high-powered field in a a uterine cytology sample. Mm -hmm. And when we see that, we know that this mare needs to be treated before we're actually going to have any luck in getting her bread. Um, We always recommend it. It's for, like, logistics. It's actually cheaper to do the culture and cytology than it is to ship semen From anywhere and just try the mare once so we recommend just doing it before we ship semen some guys will just breed the mare like they don't want to worry about it they'll just try the mare once and if she doesn't catch then we'll go to that culture and cytology Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. our rules are that if it's a maiden that's never been bred it's up to the client we recommend it but they don't have to if it's a horse that has been bred in the past and has aborted or hasn't caught then it's our our standard protocol that we have to do this what we do and if you don't want to do that then you can go somewhere else like we don't want to um be breeding we don't want to be spending clients money doing something that's not going to work so um that's kind of um our baseline testing um Mm -hmm. in some mares we also recommend the uterine biopsy to help figure out what's happening with their mare Generally speaking, that's not part of our initial breeding sound as If someone is thinking about spending like good money on a brood mare that they want to buy, then I would consider doing it as part of a pre-purchase just to know kind of what their endometrium is like. Or if there's a mare that's cultured dirty a few times in a row and we kind of want to know what's in there, um, we could do a biopsy and that would give us a better idea of, you know, if there's scarring in the uterus or like... Um, Any like cysts and things like that, that can, I mean, there's some that are big in a microscope. There's some that's more like fibrotic nesting and stuff, they call it. Um, That's seen underneath a microscope. And that'll give us a better prognosis for uh, clients as to terms of whether or not their mare will ever be able to catch and actually carry a foal. Um, So that's a little bit more information that we can do. Um, For anyone who's looking to breed an old horse, um, having a good idea of what's happening with their endocrine status is really important. So mares that have Cushing's are tough mares to get pregnant and they're tough mares Mm -hmm. to flush embryos out of. So our general rule is if they're older than 16, we do a Cushing screen. If they come back with Cushing's and we want to get their Cushing's well-managed before we start. Um, we've had some mares come for, um, you know, attempted uh, embryo transfers and stuff as old mares that we're trying to get a couple more babies out of before they um, before they pass away because they're, you know, 30 years old. And um, um, the ones that have had Cushing's have been really difficult to figure out their cycles. Um, so... Um, and Cushing's makes them, it makes them cycle irregularly. It's really, really difficult to um, influence their cycle like we generally need to with hormones when their cycle is like doing their own thing entirely with with Cushing's. Um, so nutrition, and endocrine status, um, their body condition score. So if you're bringing a mare into breeding, it's really important that they have a little bit of meat if the mare is coming open um we recommend having had their teeth done and their vaccines done and all that kind of stuff you know get them ready take care of them a little bit because after they're pregnant it's nice too well it's nice to know if there's anything major in there and it's good to do that maintenance work while they're open um if they're coming for foaling, we'll generally do a quick oral exam between foaling and rebreeding and do their teeth um, between. And just as a side note, though, it is completely safe to sedate rude mares and do their teeth and stuff when they're in foal. The sedation that we use is safe for pregnant mares. So, um, But just as kind of getting them ready, it's always nice to get that done before breeding starts. And we don't want to be vaccinating them like when they're, you know, 10 days pregnant or, you know, like really, really early pregnancy. So we do their vaccines and stuff mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, and then the sedation and stuff, we generally don't do that in the first couple months, but after that, if they need anything, we certainly can. Yeah. But I like to do it all before.
0: Um, <laughs> speaking so, from somebody yes. who has actually been pregnant, <laughs> or I guess we all have, yes. uh, it's nicer to get that stuff done while you're not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the least like, amount of just, discomfort just, just, you <laughs> can put yourself through while <laughs> pregnant, I think is better. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see that being the case for horses exactly. too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of where I would start. And then stallions as well. Like I just, again, I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. um, emphasize nutrition enough. Um, The sperm quality is directly related to nutrition. And there's a few studies, um, Platinum Performance actually um, released a book a couple years ago now about um, nutritional uh influences on sperm quality if anyone's like wanting to get really nerdy you could read that but i kind of skimmed the highlights and there's definitely a few um Mm -hmm. like you can definitely influence sperm quality with nutrition um and with having a balanced Mm -hmm. nutrition um the one product that and i hate to i don't want to sell products but if anyone's interested in kind of doing everything that they can to maximize their stallion potential um Mm -hmm. there's a out there um and it actually has some really interesting research coming out in terms of improving um improving conception rates on mares and also improving the motility um and the progressive motility of semen for stallions that are being frozen. So if you guys have any if there's clients out here that have stallions that are um wanting to do everything they can to get a really high quality frozen semen product available um i do recommend supplementing these stallions with 60 days
0: of rilla. Could you it's, say that name the, again because uh, i totally I, I totally missed it.
1: It's, uh, it's <laughs> It's uh, Relera, so it's R-E-L. R'leira. I'm gonna spell it wrong. R-E-L-E-I-R-A, I think.
0: Gotcha. Mm. And it's gotcha.
1: Uh, um, it's by uh, Airness Animal Health. Um, so it's available okay. in Canada and in the U.S. Um, but it is. If anyone's like kind of wanting a ballpark, I would ballpark it to be about between $700 and $850 um, for a two-month supply. So in terms of supplements, it's one mm-hmm. of the more expensive ones I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. However, in terms of if your mare catches on the first cycle, it will pay for itself hands down. That is like mm-hmm. it's cheaper than a vet bill. So it is um, – and they really do have some really – Bold claims in terms of its um, efficacy. This is my first year stocking it. I only have a few horses on it. Most people that I work with kind of are like, "Ooh, eight hundred dollars! Like that's a lot for a supplement." Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and a lot more of my guys are on the Platinum Performance, which is a really good supplement, just, just kind of a not as targeted against um, improving sperm more um, motility and improving conception cycles. So the the Rolera is really that's what that's um, claim to fame is anyway
0: cool well you already kind of answered my question about the studs so why don't we skip ahead Uh, let's talk budget um what kind of prices are you talking for these different breeding techniques
1: so we used to bundle these all together and some practices still do um a lot of it depends so um and that's always the best answer it depends um yeah the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, board board adds up. So if you bring your mare to your vet to board it there for breeding and then you leave it there for preg check, it's going to add up a little bit. I don't know what all the other clinics charge, but it would be reasonable to think between $20 and $50 a day for board depending on what your mare's care requirements are. Our mares that are on like stall rest with hand walking because they're rehabbing from an inj- injury is going to be pushing more than that $50 mark or the mares that are like used to living in a bubble that you know, get uh, turned out for 15 minutes or like lunged only, and they have to get dressed from head to toe, and live in a box stall and on a bunch of special feed. Um, like those ones are going to be pushing that, you know, 40 to 50 a day board fees. Our mares that come in a group of 10 mm-hmm. that go out in a field together and that live like fairly normal horses, those ones are closer to our 15 to 20 a day for uh, mare care type board. So mm-hmm. it 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 depends on what your mare is used to, and it would be very similar to the board that you would generally pay getting similar care at a boarding facility. Um, mm-hmm. And then in terms of what kind of services you're getting, so there's going to be a big difference between ICSI and between using semen from Canada that's fresh cooled. Um, most people are charging the mare owners between 150 and $450. And again, it depends on where it's done for collecting the stallion. Um, farm owners that collect their own stallions that are not done by a vet generally is for that 150 to 200 dollars and then most vets are generally between 200 and 300 but some areas that are more expensive like um Vancouver area or like Toronto area places like that sometimes are pushing a little higher for um, vet fees and that's just directly related to cost of living and kind of what what their time and mm-hmm. supplies have to be worth um so that's the, what the mayor owner would be expected to pay the stallion owner for stallion collection if you look at your contract some contracts actually include the first so if you're seeing a big difference in prices, it's really important to kind of read that fine print and know if you are expected to pay um in the first time um Mm -hmm. pretty much all uh stallion or owners will expect the mayor to pay the courier fees associated though and courier for theme boxes when we're talking fresh cooled can be as little as 85 dollars to send it ground overnight with a courier um sometimes to get a flight we're looking at $300 $300 for the flight plus maybe $200 on the other, on both sides to drive it back and forth to the airport. So we could be looking at 700 to $800 to get it same day uh, shipped. But then the semen is actually getting to the vet clinic that it's going to the same day the stallion is collected. And basically what happened there is I make a phone call to uh a stallion station by Edmonton they collect the stallion and one of their employees drives it to the Edmonton airport they get it checked into a flight the flight goes from Edmonton to Winnipeg one of my employees or me drives to Winnipeg picks up the semen, and then drives home and inseminates them there and it all happens on one day so that's kind of where that all that career and transportation costs come from um and then in terms of the actual like um, ultrasounds and the um, insemination fees we used to package it up and we used to charge about $450 to $500 per cycle for mare management of uh, fresh pools and about $600 to $700 for frozen Um, it's gone up a little bit since then but more importantly, we've actually split it out so fact is we don't we don't bundle it anymore if someone brings me a mare and the mare is like in heat and I scan the mare once and then I order semen the next day and I breed her the next day and she goes home it's gonna be like 150 bucks like it's it's uh mm-hmm. like 50 bucks for the ultrasound and then like i don't know 50 bucks for the insemination or something like that it's like it's not a ton but if the mare comes for three weeks and she's really funny with her cycles and uh, we inseminate her twice and she stays a long time and we've ultrasounded her 10 or 15 times then it can go up from there um but generally mm-hmm. speaking um uh, our quotes normally run under a thousand for like fresh cooled semen like generally around that 700 ish dollar mark and that's including about um five or six days of board and then all the ultrasounds and um and um inseminating the mare and checking the mare after insemination to check for any reaction to the semen which is a really really important part of breeding we can talk about that a little bit more later um for frozen semen we generally ballpark around a thousand dollars um and that's just a few more ultrasounds and um Ultrasounding throughout the night generally. Um, so oftentimes I set up mares to be bred uh, with frozen semen around midnight. And that's it depends on how many vets I have working for me, but most of the time I could get a really window so tight, I really didn't want to miss the fact that um like when they needed to be bred. Whereas sometimes during the day, things go long or you get caught up at an emergency or whatever and you couldn't make it back to the farm to AI them on time. So um, I have Dr. Oswald working this year um, and hopefully we're adding another vet as well in the summer. So we'll probably be shifting more of our frozen semen work to um, the daytime again, which is kind of nice. But uh, um, that is kind of where those those costs come in when we get into embryo transfer we're talking over the thousand so generally the embryo transfer procedure is somewhere around 1500 to 2000 depending on what type of semen you're using frozen mm-hmm. semen again adds a little bit more cost um and then if you need one of our recips, um the cost of using that mare is about 2500 give or take um And if you don't have anywhere to board the recip and you want her to board with us and full with us, then we're getting into that kind of $5,000 plus um, range for uh, the recip, including her staying for the year and to have that full at our place. Um, So it can definitely, I mean, and then if you have mares that are problem mares, that's when things can get really expensive. So we have had, generally every year, we have one mare that's like a real pain and um, Mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for those mares to get to be over 5,000. Like we have some that get, I don't think we've had any over 10 yet but we've definitely had some that have been seven thousand or eight thousand dollars by the time we get a pregnancy mm-hmm. and we're not using really fancy semen it's not ICSI. it's just repeated attempts at trying to get their uterus healthy enough to maintain a pregnancy and oftentimes mm-hmm. those mares have um, that bacterial endometritis and we're trying to break down um byproduct of that so when there's infection and and bacteria in there it sometimes makes like a nice slime layer and Mm -hmm. being able to break it down and wash it all out can be difficult um we sometimes spend a few cycles cleaning them up and doing our best to treat them and and um certainly breeding a mare and having them not catch can be um one of the most expensive things out there because it's literally just throwing away your money so i try to do everything we can to support the mare catch for the first time um a big reason, another big reason that they don't catch is that the semen causes such a bad inflammatory response in their uterus that they can't mm-hmm. clear that. So what I was saying before about checking the mare after we breed her, um, that's actually checking for a condition that we call post-breeding um, endometritis, which is just an inflammation mm-hmm. of the uterus following um, insemination. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, it's really important to treat that. Um And it can be a little bit expensive to treat it. We generally do, um, like we wash the uterus out with um like up to about, five or six hours after we breed her at that point in time any live semen is going to be up the oviduct and after that if the mare has extra fluid that's showing a reaction to the semen you can wash the uterus out and give the embryo a really nice pristine place to land after and get rid of all that dead sperm and all that inflammation um and that really can improve success rates as well is giving that uterus a bit of a, a healthier um or the embryo a healthier place to land after breeding um yeah, that's that. What
2: uh what else do we need to talk about? Well, we you told us all about the reproduction, all the different kind of breeding techniques and everything else, which you seem very passionate about. So I don't know why you hated it at the start because <laughs> you seem to love it. Um, but let's talk about you. So we are moms, so we juggle the farm life, the ranch life, which some days I feel like is impossible. <laughs> but you're a mom of a toddler, you're a full-fledged vet. And you own your own practice. So what strategies do you have in place to manage your day-to-day life activities? And what are your biggest challenges?
1: I have an amazing husband. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Support system. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My husband, he's on point. Yeah. He, uh, he does a lot for me. He's actually a vet as well. And he, uh, he pretty busy too, at the practice oh. that. But, um, um between the two of us we make it work and our kid is a good sport he um he's <laughs> been followed along with me to calls my very first call i took him to i was I think 16 days uh after my c-section and uh i brought him out to look at a down draft horse in a field and uh since then he's been a good sport oh uh, and that was not a fun <laughs> uh,
0: look, He just <laughs> dove in the deep end
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know, I was like am i allowed to take up water buckets what about horses um uh, but <laughs>
2: um
1: he uh he comes in the truck with us quite a bit um i mean he's always been like my clients are amazing people most of the clients i work for are either have kids that are grown up or they have young kids i i don't work for many people that don't either have kids or want to have kids so most of the times if i show up to, uh, packing a kid with me um it's generally an emergency like it's generally after hours and 99 percent of my clients are like so so good they uh you know keep them busy or keep them entertained or at least keep them safe uh while i do what needs to be done um during breeding season we've tried really hard to um delegate our days as best as we can so i do have more more vets uh like we i dr oswald covers a lot of the ambulatory stuff and um and we try to push for as many people to haul in as we can just to make the days more efficient for um, for my time so that I can use daycare to the best of my ability. Um, (laughs) Liam started going to daycare last year and it was a game changer. It was really nice to have those, you know, 10 hours of really efficient work time that you didn't need to be juggling and you could just focus on work. And then Mm -hmm. it was my challenge last year that when six o'clock came, I was done. And it didn't happen yeah. i actually um, Liam spent a lot of time in the barn with me in the evenings um but as long as he was fed and uh we got him a little pony um this year so i'll tie him he can <laughs> like this pony is bomb proof it's the greatest thing so i'll just tie him up wherever and liam will brush him and sit on him or lead him around or whatever He, i mean it's not exactly this i, I wouldn't be super proud of how he's behaving around him because it's probably not safe but the pony is seriously unflappable and also knee-high <laughs> <laughs> over it's they'll figure it out um uh, absolutely he he comes to calls with me and my husband and uh he I kid you not this kid is going to be able to do a c-section on a cow by the time he's five years old like he uh he um (laughs) all right washed him um, was getting ready to breed her and I went to the our pharmacy to get the semen and I came back and my little kiddo I mean there was other staff around he wasn't totally unsupervised but he had pushed a stool up behind this mare in the stocks and was like standing there he put a blue nitrile glove on and was standing there like ready to
0: breed this mare like okay things that they shouldn't bring up at kindergarten
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> tell this is interesting what does your mom do Mm -hmm. oh look at this but yeah (laughs) yeah anyways we um, we try to involve them as much as we can and the biggest thing that i've had to learn is how to pack snacks and diapers (laughs) if we have snacks we're good um and he can kind of sleep anywhere he'll sleep in his stroller sleep in the pharmacy or um and honestly if if he's fed and he's dry he's a he's a good sport so we just the biggest thing right now is trying to watch him he's i mean he's uh two and a half now and he is uh incredibly quick and we live along a fairly busy road so trying to keep eyes on him all the time is Mm -hmm. a, a team sport and all of my staff are really really good as well most of my staff have young kids and um and are kind of used to, uh, you know, balancing a toddler on one side and the phone on the other and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, handing them a, a snack or whatever they need.
0: But... <laughs> <love> it. Nice. <laughs> it's a team effort for sure around here too. So yeah. I can really mm-hmm. Snacks are king. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got coming up on the horizon for events? And how can our listeners get in touch with you?
1: Um, so we... Um,
0: a little bit off topic, Kirst-
1: Dr. Oswald Kirsty is actually doing an event um, on Friday. Uh, it's coming right up. Oh. So um, she is doing a gastroscopy clinic. We're doing, um, so that's nothing to do with breeding, we're scoping stomachs. Um, and it's actually at a boarding barn by Anola. Um, so, right now, I think we had one cancellation this morning. So, I think we might have one spot open for a scope. Um, but everyone's welcome to come for our lunch talk. Dr. Uh, Kirsty is talking about ulcers, um, gut ulcers, the um, glandular ulcers, and non glandular ulcers, gastricard, and succeed, and all of those other things, sucral fate and everything stomach related. Um, so, that's going on, on Friday. Cool. Um, otherwise, we're wrapping it up for a We did quite a bit of CE stuff over the winter and there's links on our Facebook page to some different Zoom talks on um, infectious diseases. We did a bunch in February and uh, some other ones on supplements and stuff we had done over the winter. Um, After the uh, (laughs) gastroscopy clinic, oh my goodness, um, (laughs) then we are going to be pretty much wrapped up for events until the fall. Uh, We're going to focus on just doing cases and stuff after that. So, but if anyone wants to come out, Bowringer is buying lunch for everyone and we have tons of space. So if it has to <laughs> head out that way, that's where it's happening. And it'll be on our Facebook page on um, um, a link of the, of the lecture anyway. So yeah, that's yeah. stuff. Awesome. And then um, breeding season is officially kicking off. Um, like March 15th is when we officially open it. We already have two mares in clinic and I have one mare that is setting up to breed tomorrow morning. So fingers crossed. She's an embryo
2: cool. uh,
1: or, or transfer mare. And she is one that um, I've read quite a few years in a row, and she's always had twins. So I'm actually really, really really Ooh. hoping for twins this year. Bush, oh. two embryos. So I know I'm like getting a bit optimistic, but
0: here's hoping for yeah.
1: one embryo, and if things go perfectly, maybe we'll get twins off that reading. And uh, we have two recent cool. synced for her. So I'm hoping crossing fingers and toes that everything everything works.
0: Absolutely. Excellent. Sounds like you got some good stuff coming up. Yeah, it's good. So cool. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And like mm-hmm. you have been just like a wealth of information on this subject. <laughs> Just encyclopedia of reproduction over here. So that's awesome. Hopefully Um, our listeners are going to learn a lot. I know I certainly have. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so thank you for coming on. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in again this week. And yeah, new episodes come out on Thursdays. So if you want to be updated when those come out, just subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we are always open to suggestions And if you want to leave a review and uh, tell us what you love or what you want to see more of, we'd be up for that too. So thank you all for tuning in and have a great day.
2: Thank you.